<laughs> Welcome back. This is episode 20, a special episode with Mark and Atlas Power Shrug. Mark being deadliest lift on Instagram. And yeah, how are you all today? Good. Good, man. That's good, good to have you both back. Yeah, yeah welcome back. Two of our favorite episodes. So that was pretty great. And everything. Obviously, was... like you guys are, I think, our only return guests. Other than Andrew Clayton, of course. Andrew Other Clayton than Andrew actually... Clayton. I had to so think about that. Like, did we have... I know we talked. I was like, yeah, okay. We had Andrew Clayton back. But so. <laughs> Well, Second now time. Establish that's a competition. Me and Atlas are going to have to compete to who can have the most episodes. <laughs> oh God! No. Oh, you have it. Let me just tied now. I'm not going to try to compete against the guy that's willing to bash his own penis with a some kind of bizarre specialty bar for to win a competition. You, you know, I, I'm convinced I need to go see a doctor that my. My junk is not in the same area as everyone else's because I don't understand how all these lists look like they could do that. Like it is dangling down beneath the legs and things are hitting my legs at most. So I might have to get see if that's a medical anomaly. I mean, judging from the last lift, it looked like you have a little PTSD, like flinch, just expecting to get hit in the dick again. Yeah. Well, or whatever you were getting hit in. Whatever you were getting whatever hit in. You have in that area. If you know the bar is going to fall forward, at a certain point, you you got to be ready to spot yourself. I mean, no one's yeah. ever going to spot you if you don't learn to spot yourself first. Well, That's a lesson that I learned early in my gym career. <laughs> you should probably start wearing those soccer shin guards. I think I think you're going to need those. I should probably wear like a full riot suit at this point just to be Nobody else safe. needs those when they lift, but you probably do. <laughs> well, someone had to do it first. Everyone's got, you know, you got press boundaries and find these new things like like your favorite old school lifters. They did lots of things that no one had ever done before. <laughs> you know, well, we know Lupian's going to do it next. <laughs> it's true. Someday we're all going to have to get him on as well. Yeah. Romania's number one ego lifter. He does some incredible things. Just like yeah, it's astounding the things he does. But he's one of the things strong. that yeah. yeah, no, he's insanely strong. Rather than trash or treasure, which has been really successful since Mark gave us advice about it, we have a series of things to ask us about. The first one is the trap bar. Mark, is it the best <laughs> thing in the world or what? I don't know if it's the best thing in the world, but it is one a of the very best. good specialty bar. Uh, it can be used for a lot more than people think it can, and I tried to show that <laughs> in some of my lists. And I think it's unfairly disparaged by the uh, anti-trap bar. We'll, we'll call them a lobby because that's what they are. They're trying to uh, disparage the trap bar and make it seem like it's a squat or that it's a, it's a training wheels tool. And realistically, it's one of the best bars for uh, just towing your body how – absolutely hard it can work there's really nothing more brutal mentally than just blasting yourself with the trap bar and granted yes it can't be used improperly but so can a barbell or a dumbbell or really any piece of gym equipment which i also try to show in my videos the yourself. Define blasting yourself. It's like define blasting yourself in context. Well, there's multiple ways you can blast yourself with the trap bar. You can uh, blast your mental fortitude by forcing yourself to. Which end are we talking about? <laughs> really, any part of your body. You can blast any part of your body with the trap bar. That's one of the best things about it. It's a very versatile. Right. You can fit so much blasting in this baby. 
<laughs> the one of the best clips the first time I saw you lifting was when you tried to do the trap bar clean and press and you hit yourself yeah. on the head and then redo it with a hard hat on. It was one of the best moments. Like I said, Shingar's hard hat, uh, oh some God. kind of uh, cup. I, I need all kinds of protective equipment. If only there was something you could lift that you that didn't have a bunch of appendages on it that would just hit you whenever you tried to lift it. If only I can hit myself with the barbell. I guarantee I can. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. Wait till I go back outside. I'll try and do the press where you put the barbell straight up and down. And you press it like that. I know someone did it with a fake barbell. But I'm going to do it with a real one. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and Atlas, what's your take on the trap bar? Um, I think it's absolutely trash. I think it's absolute trash. I I um I I would call myself part of the anti-trap bar lobby, except I mean the lobby is part of an industry, and I mean this guy right here is pretty much the strongman industrial complex all by himself. Um, <laughs> I'm saying maybe we don't need all that equipment, but specifically, why I hate the trap bar deadlift specifically is that okay? Not everyone is a 900 pound deadlifter. There are a ton of weak people out there that claim oh my i have a bad back so i have to use the trap bar because conventional or sumo deadlifts hurt my back you know and it gives them a way to pretend that they can deadlift without actually being able to deadlift and what they need to do is just lower the weight stop pretending like they can deadlift four plates uh do something with lightweight to fix their injury or whatever the case may be that's preventing them from being able to deadlift on a straight bar because i mean whether or not you do like every healthy humans should be able to deadlift on a straight bar. That's not a big ask. And if you have something that prevents you from doing that, you need to fix it. And the trap bar is an impediment that keeps you from hitting rock bottom and actually realizing you have a problem and you need to fix it. So, yeah, I mean, there might be some 900 pound deadlifter that likes hitting himself in the shin with trap bars for, because that's his thing. You know, everybody's got a hobby, but <laughs> uh, for every 900 pound deadlifter that's using a trap bar to deadlift a thousand, there are like, thousands and thousands of people who are claiming they have bad backs so they can't deadlift on a straight bar and the trap bar is the thing preventing them from actually fixing their issues so that's why i think this trap bar should be stigmatized you know same thing with the leg press could somebody possibly ever use a leg press machine in a good way i guess possibly but for every person that's using the leg press properly how many people just don't want to squat and you know, so that, that's why I think those two things need to be stigmatized. So if you're somebody that doesn't have a deadlift that's big enough that you don't care what people say, you feel bad about doing it. So you don't do it and you actually just fix your back, you know? So we did hit the leg press question already. So Mark, <laughs> defend the leg press. <laughs> defend yeah, the machine. Me the opposite. I, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to start by clarifying that to me, a leg press is kind of a broad group of machines. I'm almost willing to just call a hack squat, even a leg press. I'm not exclusively talking about the 45 degree sled, which isn't my favorite leg machine. I don't really like that one, but I do like a variety of other machines in the leg press family. And that's mostly because if you've ever watched me squat, uh, my heaviest squats basically come deadlifts with the bar on my back. And when I really push myself squatting, that's how they inevitably kind of turn into it. They become very posterior chain dominant, not very quad uh, down, obviously, I'm still using my quads, but it becomes a bit bigger stress on my posterior chain, lower back than I feel like squatting is for most people. So I prefer to just, you know, if I'm going to squat, I'm going to try and squat to make my squat bigger. And if I want to get extra work on my quads, I just go and use a machine that helps me isolate them better. So I found that's better for overall fatigue. I don't blast my lower back too much. 
because uh, I use that for a lot of other compound lifts, but I don't really get enough emphasis on my quads just from doing those lifts. And yes, I know, Alice, I probably could change my squat technique to work specifically quads or use a front squat or do a lot of other things, but I have access to the leg press and the leg press is much easier than doing any of those things. So I'm more than happy to slap some plates on that and then just not have to think about it and just go bam, bam, bam. Uh, and really blast out those quads, <laughs> which you can also do with a trap bar by dropping it on them. That's a different kind of blasting. So, yeah, basically, uh, when I try to do your traditional quad-focused compounds, I tend to use a lot of posterior chain. That gets a lot of fatigue in that area, which I'd rather conserve for uh, lifts I actually care about uh, rather than trying to build my quads with a lift that doesn't do it that well. So that's why I like leg press. Okay. It's a solid defense. So, because we needed to get some things out of the way right at the beginning, <laughs> the, which brings us to what we call the peanut butter question. Your thoughts on peanut butter? I've heard that there's controversy between the two of you. And I feel like one of you stands on the side of the show with most issues, and one of you stands alone <laughs> against the strongman industrial complex. Alice can start this one, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I want to just do point. I, I do want to just point out that this guy is probably a paid shill of the um, of the strongman industrial complex, the gym equipment industrial complex. So that's probably why he's defending the leg press machine, which is you know an enormous boondoggle for um, you know for the gym equipment industrial complex. But okay, first of all, let's define. <laughs> Let, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Mark has a visual aid for me to demonstrate what he defines as peanut butter. As as you see, he's eating Jif, which is the peanut butter that has the trans fats in it. So if the show defines peanut butter as some kind of like, I like hydrogenated, actually. Hydrogenated fat, no trans fat. Trans well, fat is actually illegal <laughs> in the United States now. Well, okay, what? I mean, hydrogen, I mean, it's the same fucking thing. That's yeah. more it's, it's It's not good for you. That's not what my label says. So if you're, so if you're, I mean, if you guys are defining peanut butter as like all natural, whatever peanut butter, I'm still not a fan of it, but it's not the end of the world, but we should probably not be eating that much hydrogenated vegetable oil if we want to live to see like 40. But then again, we're talking about someone who likes to drop trap bars on his shins. So I don't know how much he... I got to interject. I, I eat like a quarter cup of peanut butter like almost every day of my life and I'm 44. So, <laughs> but is it, is it the GIF or is it at least some kind of like better quality stuff? It's like, well, it's a natural GIF. So it doesn't have, so it doesn't have like the hydrogenated fat and all, all the sugar and crap in it. But, but I mean, oh, yeah, I've I mean, eaten that kind of GIF too for most of my life. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's fine. But I, I mean, I, I think I kind of draw the line at like hydrogenated oils. I, if I mean, if you see that on the label, I feel like you should probably put the jar down and maybe spend an extra couple bucks on at least getting the higher quality peanut butter <laughs> instead of like God knows what else you're going to try to put in your home gym. But higher quality least... peanut butter doesn't taste as good. So <laughs> hey, at least it's Jesus. not Nutella. This, it, <laughs> at least it's not Nutella. This is probably better than Nutella for you. Yes. I don't, I, you know, honestly, I haven't even read the ingredients on that. I don't know what's in there. It's pure garbage. It's pure trash. Uh, I, I mean, I, I assumed as much, but Jesus. <laughs> that is yeah, I, we, we needed to get some of very, the stuff out of the way. You have a very, 
Very brief uh, defensive peanut butter. Um, it tastes good. I can put it on things. It makes them taste good. And it has a lot of calories. And when I have to eat like 6,500 calories a day while bulking, uh, peanut butter helps with that. So that's my defensive peanut butter. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Many a bodybuilder have added peanut butter for for easy caloric intake for bulking. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. Because I, I mean, you gotta start when you when you're doing a big bulk, you got to. I mean, probably the most calories I've eaten a day are six thousand. Now you have got guys like uh, Brian Shaw, uh, I'm sure Trey Mitchell, uh, Bobby Thompson. Those guys are pushing at ten thousand calories a day. Um, obviously, to be you know the biggest and the strongest strongman, it gets hard. I mean, if you ate all that in like Whole Foods. That would be a brutal, brutal challenge to stop that much food down. And so you've got to start adding like fatty oils, peanut butter, <laughs> right? Whole milk. Like, I mean, everything going in your body because it has calories in it. There's no plain water. Oh, yeah. Right. No, I, I know. My, my worst bulk, I mean, I, I was drinking a gallon of milk a day before lunch. Lunch was like five McDonald's, you know, sandwiches. And then, you know, but at least it wasn't peanut butter, day. right? No, I mean I was eating like trash and pork, and it, it was stupid because I wasn't I wasn't doing the right kind of exercise. I mean, it was, it was making my bench blow up, but it, but I wasn't doing the right kind of exercise to really hold on to a lot of muscle. But no, I mean I've, I've done the like the big bulk, but I just you know can we just eat the better the like one dollar ex- more expensive peanut butter that doesn't have that stuff in it? <laughs> That's Honestly, all I, I have. I have tried the natural peanut butter before, and if I was just like sitting there eating it by a spoon or like putting on bread. I probably would just stick with it because I'm you know, get used to it and it probably is a little better for you. But I like to melt the peanut butter over oatmeal, and I found that that natural stuff doesn't melt for shit. It just does not work in that way, and also does not mix well into yogurt, mm-hmm. which is the other way I eat it. So majority of my peanut butter intake is melted on oatmeal and then mixed into my Greek yogurt, and the natural just does not work well for either of those. So if I was actually going to sit there and eat it by a spoonful, I probably would go natural. But I use it in those two other ways, and the natural just doesn't really jive well with that. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, small complaint. Yeah, maybe if it's such a big health concern, I probably the should just deal property, with that. The, the that's why that I stopped doing it. That its properties are completely different might be a warning sign of something. But um, yeah, it's got the know, property not do the thing as that well, normal peanuts so. do. There might be something. There might be something off here. But you know, but you have to mix it like every time. That's a pain in the ass. Yeah. I, that, I don't even know this natural so these natural problems that have been solved by industrial chemicals. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <That's> progress. <laughs> oh my god. You guys are gonna make me start Kazinski posting here. It's true. I'm like, <laughs> which so uh, this is a spur of the moment trash or treasure thing based on some of the posts that Atlas has been putting up recently. <laughs> trash or treasure, milk, Darren. Treasure. Well, I mean, yeah, I gotta go with treasure. I mean, I'm going with treasure. I mean, I have some reservations on some things, but treasure. I will say trash, and I'll explain that when we go to the explanations. Wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) I I can't wait to hear this. Wow. The guy who eats, eats oh, wow. Okay. Good. Atlas, Atlas. And I'm talking about cow's milk, not coconut milk. Yeah. I mean, I mean, treasure Absolute for people treasure. who treasure for people whose ancestors have been eating it for long enough. I mean, there are people that will get sick if they eat milk, but for those of us who are adapted to it, treasure. That's true. 
I would say treasure as well. So, namely because it's delicious. We need to hear why is milk trash? <laughs> milk all is right, great. Mark. I will start off by saying that A, just so it wouldn't be treasure all around, I think milk is fine to eat if it's going to get your calories in, if you have the lactase or whatever, then go for it. I don't think it's bad for you or anything. It's probably relatively good for you. I just don't personally like milk very much. Uh, I was never a fan of regular milk. I know, weird face. I did used to enjoy chocolate milk when I was younger, but then I went to a university with an on-site uh, dairy program where they made their own chocolate milk. And after that, all the chocolate milk I get from the store tastes like absolute chemical shit. So I can't enjoy chocolate milk anymore either. So I just don't drink milk. I'm not a big fan of drinking calories in general. I prefer to eat them. So between that and not, I mean, I don't hate milk. I just don't like it enough to like go and drink it as a source of calories. So I mostly just said trash to be a contrarian because I felt we need to have one dissenting opinion here, and Atlas wasn't going to be at this time. So <laughs> there's a there's a there's a, there's a, there's a not only is it I mean there is contrary to the previous conversation that you said that you couldn't drink chocolate milk anymore because it tastes chemically, but you just justified eating peanut butter because of modern chemicals. Well, because it I, tastes I just want to like I want to understand the logic. Chemicals. Yeah, if the chemicals in the chocolate milk tasted good, I'd be fine with them. The problem is they just don't taste good anymore. It's mm. got that. I feel like when I hear Europeans don't like Hershey's because it tastes like vomit because they're they're not used to the whatever acid they used to make it. I think it's like that. Like once I spent time drinking, I don't know if they used to flavor their chocolate milk at the University of Wisconsin, but it tasted much richer and nicer. And now whenever I try and drink like the cheap store bought stuff, it just there's this aftertaste that is kind of vomity. So maybe it's the same the same chemical. I don't know, but I just it doesn't taste good to me anymore in comparison. That is a shocking revelation. Darren, <laughs> yeah. Darren Atlas, I'm glad we're on the side of justice on this one. I'm the Wisconsin night here. If, if there's something <laughs> that I love more than anything, it's like it's cream and butter. And I mean, and, and not loving milk is just, I don't know, un-American. I like yeah. yogurt. You can turn the milk into yogurt. That's good. It's true. Yogurt <laughs> is delightful and it has probiotics. Namely, I brought it yeah. up because I would never have seen it if Atlas hadn't shared it. But apparently John Anderson, the bodybuilding coach, says that you shouldn't drink milk because there's too much estrogen and recommends coconut milk, <laughs> which was the most preposterous Dude. thing. Dude, that guy's a, that guy's a nut, nutball, man. I, I'm, I, I don't have any problem saying that. That guy's that yeah. kind of a nutter. <laughs> Yeah, I was just so shocked by that. Namely, because it's like he was like, "Well, the cows in America they eat junk, and their milk is junk, and the estrogen." It's like there's not enough estrogen in there. Like there's no. Yeah. I mean, he should probably get his own estrogen checked. I mean, if we're if we're being honest. I mean, is there estrogen in synthol? Are there any phytoestrogens? In well, that's a good point because I mean he does look pretty well synthol up. That's true. That is a very very fair point. Is it is it steroids or synthol? It's probably a little bit of both. <laughs> I mean, probably both. But you you don't see weird bulges like that with regular steroids. It's, it's still muscle, you know. It still looks like muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, allegedly, I don't know anything about bodybuilding. Are very very little, but allegedly, like the big pro bodybuilders use a little bit of synthol too. That's how they get their muscles to look the way they do. Yeah, I think it's it's like plastic surgery. You don't say, oh, they. You only see bad plastic surgery. You don't know it's the good work. Right. Eh, I, I I like to push oh. back on that. I mean, I've seen if you have a comparison, seen, maybe, but I mean, I you know, living in LA and doing some of the stuff I've done in the past, I've seen people who can afford the absolute best, and you can still tell, and it still looks bad. I mean, 
most plastic, unless you're correcting like a serious defect, it usually looks bad. You can usually tell. I mean, you, you'll you can tell driving by with these people. It's it it doesn't look right. They need to stop. <laughs> Namely, I just had to get the milk opinion out there. But the plastic surgeon thing, that is like, because people said Rich Piana might have had synthol. So I was like, oh, yeah. Rich Piana. Probably was, definitely was, did. Yeah. I think it's really, <laughs> dude, honestly, I mean, I mean, somebody can correct me, you know, anybody can listen to this, but I, I think that's pretty common in bodybuilding to use synthol. Now, you know, there's a difference between using it for like uh, a little bit of augmentation versus you see these guys that haven't lifted weight in their lives and all of a sudden are like jacked full of synthol, right? <laughs> yeah, the people usually in like random other countries that where they've, I guess, more access but less <laughs> oversight. They just have like the right. bulging, like they look like yeah. Yeah. Access, but no oversight, exactly. More access, less oversight yeah. is exactly right. Yeah, like yeah, I'm trying to do that, and I'm like, and I'm like, so. I was like, has anybody reached out to these guys and like tried to advise them, like <laughs> give them a little bit of advice? I mean, I know it's laughable sometimes, but I don't know, man. I might be, I might be an outlier here, but I feel bad for some of those guys. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. it's got to be some little issues upstairs. I feel like yeah, the guys at point where we've injected so much oil that your your bicep has ballooned up to the size of a basketball on your otherwise normal frame. Uh, yeah. You're probably at a point where if someone's like, "Hey, bro, don't do that," it wouldn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. There's a there's a mental component there. I don't think just reaching like, "Hey, did you know it's not a great idea?" Probably not going to get you much. <laughs> the fact. I just don't understand how the muscle still functions like that. Like, I feel like if your bicep becomes one thousand yeah. percent oil, like I feel like you'd lose some sort of motor function or something. But I don't know. I'm not a synthol scientist everything okay so the other another trash or treasure bit calories in <laughs> calories out the concept that calories if you just eat less calories and burn more calories you'll lose weight let's go with mark on this one trash or treasure treasure, treasure. darren oh definitely treasure atlas what's your thoughts on that trash and not because it's wrong, but because of the way that it's used. Um, I mean, the way the way a trend here. Yeah, the <laughs> one contrarian. There's got to be one contrarian, right? So we, I'm going to say two trends then. <laughs> and and the, it's always the last person, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it was gonna. I, I was gonna say trash regardless. Um, it's not wrong in most cases. I mean, I'm sure you know they'll they'll point to some like edge case where, you know, it didn't really work out although it usually just, they usually just ends up being somebody's metabolism is doing something weird to again put more calories out or in but like the, what the what it's used the way it's used i think is extremely misleading because a lot of kind of mainstream enjoyers people who are just like the you know defenders of the status quo will just kind of act like the only thing that's changed is people just randomly been eating more and exercising less and that's the only reason why you're seeing just rampant obesity to the point where in a lot of states you'll see, you know, billboards for um, diabetic foot amputation. And that's totally just happening because people are just randomly eating more and they're, they're just putting more calories in. They're not exercising enough. Right. And that's, you know, clearly something else has been going on here. I mean, you had plenty of lazy people with access to calories a hundred years ago, but you know, the fattest, someone who could make a living as a circus fat man, like the fattest guy in the world, allegedly in 1900, looks like the average person 
in a lot of states today. So something changed and that I think that thing was nutritional recommendations. And so I think, um, I mean, yeah, it ends up being a matter of calories in versus calories out. But I think what's happening is that people are eating more calories because they were told to be afraid of all the, um, the satiating foods that would, that would actually, you know, signal them to stop eating and not overconsume calories, you know, like eggs, steak. I mean, in the 1950s, it was well known that steak and eggs was a good way to lose weight if you were a little bit fat, right? But then all that stuff was told, you know, we were told it's, it's going to give you heart attacks, it's going to kill you, um, eat lots of heart-healthy whole grains, and, you know, and yeah, they'll, they'll tell you that the nutritional recommendations haven't been followed, but that's nonsense they have. So it's still true, it's technically true, but it, it's used to cover for, you know, massive fuck-ups. So, guys, guys, we're on this podcast? Yeah. Massive, um, massive uh, negligence that really ought to be criminal in terms of what um, the authorities have been claiming folks how to eat. I think it's it's used to cover for you know, massive malpractice. So that's why I say it's trash. And it's yeah. probably going to be a lot less healthy. To, it, it's probably going to be a lot less helpful to tell people, hey, just count all your calories than tell them. Hey, if you eat these foods, it's going to be a whole lot easier to eat the right amount of calories, you know, which yeah. doesn't, which doesn't I, mean these foods are magical and they, you know, bypass the laws of thermodynamics, just that if you're getting all the protein and micros that you need, you're going to stop eating easier. I think there's a lot of abuse in like, in, in kind of like the diet community, if you will, for lack of better words to, to categorize that, um, you know, because I mean, people come out with all sorts of different fad diets that claim X, Y, Z, and there are always these unrealistic goals and unrealistic expectations. Um, you know, different, you know, various diets are just not sustainable. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's pretty, it, for lack of better words, again, pretty hard, you know, pretty hard evidence from a scientific standpoint that calories in. Uh, and calories out, like determines, you know, if you're in a surplus, you're going over, you know, a long period of time, you're going to gain weight. If you're in a deficit, you're going to lose weight. Now, what is that surplus and deficit certainly depends on the person because everybody does have different, uh, uh, you know, metabolic rates for their own individual person. But there's always a point, regardless of who you are, um, where, a deficit is going to force you to lose weight no matter what. Mm -hmm. And a surplus is going to force you to gain weight no matter what. So I think you're, you're on to something with, when you say that, you know, uh, diet advice, I mean, the old food pyramid was, was a giant piece of shit, right? Suggesting that people should consume the vast majority of their calories in carbohydrates. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, in, 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 in days gone eating, people consume probably more meat products than they did uh, do today. Meat doesn't store as energy, right? And so if you're in a surplus of protein, your body uh, uh, excretes that, whereas carbohydrates and fat get stored as energy. So, you know, a lot of these people that are on the, the Atkins diet or, you know, high protein diet, one of the reasons it is really truly effective um, is because protein just doesn't store as store. Unused protein isn't, isn't stored in your body. So it's like one of your mechanisms in your body that you can take advantage of um, from a caloric standpoint, but, um, you still have to have a certain number of calories a, a day to survive, just even being sedentary. Right. Um, 
So, so being in a deficit, even eating protein, you can lose weight, but also you can gain weight in a surplus of, of protein. Um, it's just a matter of, of, of nutrient, uh, leveraging those nutrients for your goals. And, and, you know, I think timing has a big part of it too. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, calories in calories out is, is pretty, pretty hard. Like there's pretty good evidence that that is, uh, <laughs> that's the way the body functions. Yeah. I, my thoughts on it. I actually Atlas basically convinced me for the most part. So I'll stay. <laughs> I'll, I went from full treasure to pocket treasure, which is borderline something I could forget, which is close to trash. If I didn't, <laughs> because uh, the main thing is, I think something people oftentimes use that as a cover of calories in calories out to justify just eating foods that aren't necessarily that great. <laughs> of like, I, I feel like this is purely anecdotal, but I know a lot of people who like lived in Europe and came to the U S and maintained a similar diet and gained anywhere from five to 15 pounds. And when they went back to Europe, they lost a portion of that weight. So I think there is like a combination of like maybe the food or the chemicals or air conditioning. I also think that air conditioning <laughs> is a little bit overrated because I think maybe if people sweated a bit more in this country, maybe we wouldn't have some of the issues we have. So that might be a controversial take, but I would say that air conditioning is trash. So this is just like, so I still argue, like, and, and I know Mark, I, I don't want to, I want to give Mark chances to, to speak, but yeah. I would still argue though, that there's a lot of other considerations there. You know, we're not considering the person's activity level, right? Because, because calories burn really still is a function of your activity level. That person that came from Europe, a lot of places in Europe have a kind of a paradoxical uh, lifestyle where, they, they eat a lot of really high fat and high calorie food, but they're also a lot more active on their daily, in their daily lives, right? Everything is closer to their homes. They walk more, they bike more, everything's sprawled out in the United States. We spend more time in cars, less time on our feet. Um, I mean, and air conditioning is a good point too. We sit, we, when it's hot outside, we sit indoors where it's cold. We, we don't go and do anything. And so I, I think, you know, probably does still boil down to our activity level is determining our calorie uh, output or calorie uh, uh, consumption, right? And and it still boils down to that calories in versus calories out. But there's a lot of factors that play into that. Um, and and just saying that I've eaten the same or similar without counting calories, you can't guarantee that you are consuming the same number of calories. Um, there's only one way to guarantee that, and that is counting. And even that still is becoming is is hard because there's always hidden calories somewhere, right? If you're not counting every single one of them, but just eating certain foods and hoping for the best is, you know, I mean, it can maybe work for some people, but if you're really serious about uh, weight composition goals, I I'm a firm believer that it's got to be through through counting your calories. You know exactly what's going in and, you know, going out is sometimes a little bit more difficult, but um, it gives you a baseline to measure progress. But Mark, I I'll shut up. <laughs> All right. So... I start with treasure on, I was kind of an assumption you were talking about it as a principle, not as an entire diet. I think that it's a treasure because you need to understand that calories out and calories in is an underlying mechanic that it's always going to be taking place no matter what your diet is, but it's not the entire diet. You can't just say, oh, I've balanced my calories in, my calories out. That takes care of all my dietary needs. No, it's, it's, a, it's a piece. It's not the entire diet. If your diet is strictly... I only count the calories. That's a dumb idea. You shouldn't do that. 
uh, unless you're adding some kind of caveat, like eat like a responsible adult, which I used to think was enough to be said, but these days I'm starting to question if I need to elaborate what eating like a responsible adult looks like. I'm sorry. I think that maybe you do, but that, <laughs> that aside, uh, I think it's important to know that if you can't just eat healthy foods and expect to lose weight, if you're eating too much, like you need to understand that you need to be controlling the energy intake and the energy output. So you need to understand that part, but you can't stop there. You need to make sure you're getting all your nutritional needs. You need to make sure that you actually are in the right properly input out. But one thing I kind of hate about calories in calories out is that these calculators have become so prominent and they are just fine as a starting point. If you want to like, if you have absolutely no idea how much you should be eating, you can go grab this calculator that you just input your height, weight, and one of three arbitrary activity levels, which is just a completely dumb way to approach that. Um, it'll give you a number and you start there. And then if you gain weight, you cut back a little bit or you add a bit more depending on what you want to do is you understand it's a starting point and not an end point, but you get these people that think that, oh, it's a calculator. There's a formula here. It's going to give me my absolute right total daily energy expenditure. And then they complain when they're gaining weight when they don't want to be, or that they're not gaining weight when they want to be. And they've never thought, hmm, I was trying to lose weight, but I'm not. But the calculator says to eat this much, and I am eating this much. So I'm going to keep doing it and then complain about online versus, you know, using a tiny bit of critical thinking and thinking, you know what? I'm going to eat a little bit less and see what happens. So <clears throat> Basically, yeah, I think it's a treasure because you have to know that's a thing. It has to be part of your diet plan, but it can't be the entire diet plan. You need to, you know, go above and beyond that in order to have the right approach. And uh, I guess that's touching the last thing you said, Darren. I haven't counted in ages, but that's because I kind of indirectly count by the fact that I just eat the exact same meals every day. I know that sure. th that's, a, that's a kind of indirect counting. If I eat the same things every day and I'm watching my weight roughly i mean as i don't yeah. weigh myself anymore because i've been doing it so long that i have a pretty good idea of when i'm gonna be going up and when i'm going down and the few times i do weigh myself i you know concur that i'm still on the same track so um yeah. so i think that's I, I do something it. but i think that everyone should okay maybe not everyone most people should probably have a period where they're counting and tracking if for no other reason than to get a better understanding of what is actually in the food like when you first start actually paying attention to your diet you don't really know what's inside all these things you're eating I mean, I certainly didn't, but if you track for like a year or so, you have a pretty good idea of what all these regular foods you eat on a regular basis contain. And then from there, you can kind of start, you know, playing it by ear a little bit more and be effective. So Atlas, what, what's your take on that? I mean, honestly, I do, I do a very similar thing. And again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that calorie counting won't work. I mean, it will. If you count, if you count calories and eat the mainstream well, you know, with the food pyramid diet, if you if you get your calories right, you, you can lose weight on that. But that's something that a fairly low percentile of the people will actually have the willpower to accomplish. My parents are an example They're They, for whatever reason, you know, they believe the system. They they do eat more or less the food pyramid diet and they have they eat like birds. They have extreme willpower and they actually managed to stay lean and healthy off that. But that is very unrealistic for the majority of people. Now you get, you know, you get people, you know, eating a different food choice, something more akin to paleo, lots of red meat, eggs, fruits, vegetables, but not so much of the, you know, heart healthy whole grains, um, et cetera. You know, now hitting that calorie level is going to be far more achievable to far more people, you know? And I'm not saying you have to go paleo, but, you know, just understanding that you can, you know, you can and should eat steak and eggs. That's going to that's going to make hitting that calorie level, you know, far more realistic for people that aren't, you know, supernaturally strong willed. Yeah, you know, I, I think 
I think that's a good point. And I think also, I think if people are starting out, sometimes counting, but also understanding what an actual portion size is. Because I know at least for a lot of people, like they'll think that like, oh, I just had two tablespoons of peanut butter. And you're like, how do you measure it? And they're like, oh, I just used two ladles. And you're like, oh, that's that's how many, you don't know how many calories that actually is. So I think that is pretty key there and everything. But yeah, um, there was something else that I was thinking about, but then I got super distracted about <laughs> the, whole, the whole calories in, calories out and stuff. But I think overall, like, and uh, it's interesting, like Darren brought up the point of like actually tracking your activity and not relying on a fitness tracker. Because I know some people, like at least when I wore a Fitbit, I work as a software engineer. My Fitbit thinks that half the time that what I'm doing at my desk is like physical activity because my arms are moving. <laughs> and you're like, that's not, that's not at all. Like yeah. playing a video game or like moving your arms is not the same as actual activity. So we uh, here on the show, eventually we'll put out an ankle monitor that will just track calories, be way more accurate. Everything. It's that home arrest yeah. system. Yeah, it's a it's a home arrest system. <laughs> we'll call we'll call it the house arrest. <laughs> yeah, but now it's going to drive me insane. What I was trying to think of. Yeah. Do you have questions? Well, I think. Yeah, my, I I mean, Mark Mark really kind of elaborated a lot in what I mean what I was saying. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors to to gaining and losing weight, but I think you know for the most part, for most people. I, I think you're right. I mean, we don't, they don't need to be consumed with caloric intake or, or whatnot, but, um, you know, people that have, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know, uh, you know, that are obese and have health problems as a result. Um, I think, you know, I, I mean, it takes discipline of course, and, and it's hard to sustain and it's, you know, that's always an excuse to say, you know, well, maybe you shouldn't do this or do that, but, the end of the day, if your if your health and your livelihood and your future is important to you, um, you're gonna you should be willing to take drastic steps to to change and accomplish those goals. And I think that's when it, it becomes really critical to learn to count your calories. And like Mark said again, I mean, yeah, you don't have to do that indefinitely, but to get a, an idea of what you are consuming and understand the caloric intake and 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 over time understanding how your body uh, you know reacts to the, a certain quantity of food and activity and and everything else that kind of factors into you know that weight loss or gain um, mechanism is really really important and and I mean as strength athletes too I think you I mean everybody's got some strength or some body composition goals right and it's really important to understand how your how how those mechanisms work um, for you individually. I'll almost go contrary to that. I feel like if you're trying to fine tune and get a high flight performance, that makes more sense to be really dig down and start counting. But if you're an obese person, yes, I think as I said before, you should understand the mechanism, but I don't think your primary like approach should be to count calories. I think you have to be focused more on making larger scale life changes. Like I think if you're just obese, you probably should yeah, almost I mean, go the Atlas route and just, you know, try eating. and take your diet and you know, maybe yeah. realize that you're eating a lot of the wrong foods and try and like recalibrate your palate to foods that are going to be more conducive to eating less. And then yes, maybe you could also count to the same time, but if your goal is like, I'm going to really cut down on my, I'm getting a smaller portion of my Coke and my TV yeah. dinner and yeah. my, my cake pop, whatever, I don't know what they eat. It's probably terrible stuff for you. But all this sugar shit. They, instead of trying to cut down on that, they should be you know, trying to you know ease in 
meat and vegetables and fruit and stuff that they're probably not eating a ton of. And by meat, I don't mean whatever stuff that has some meat in it, like a deep fried chicken bone or whatever. I don't know. They, <laughs> leaner meats. I think they should be trying to do that and like maybe not focus on just the numbers. I mean, if they can do both, great. It, it helps confirm that their decisions are, you know, actually uh, impacting them. But I think that they need to focus on eating better and then also being more active before they say, okay, I just need to keep this number smaller than this number because sure. they're kind of yeah, no, I mean, you're right. they're not I, making the changes. I don't disagree with that. I mean, there's, there's, there's a process to go through um, by all means. There's a lot of factors that need to change in, in a lot of people's diets, right? And behaviors and choices and, and every other other thing kind of plays into the uh, to the end result. Yeah, they need to learn, if possible, just to, to walk more. Walking is such an absolute cheat code for losing weight. It's so easy. Yeah. And if you have the time for it, you can multitask and you can sometimes get other stuff done. You can uh, listen to a podcast while you're going for your walk. But, but the unfortunate thing is this. I think the unfortunate thing, though, in this country is people always want the easy way out, right? Honestly, walking is easier than any other form of cardio, <laughs> so that's why I suggest it. You'd be surprised. The only man. negative is time consumption. You'd be surprised at the number of people that won't won't do it. They'd rather go and get get a get a prescription drug or yeah. you know something uh, something that that's easy that they don't have to change their behaviors. And you know, it's unfortunate reality. Um, I mean, it would be great. If everybody, you know, would would go and just start changing habits, but <laughs> to each his own. I remembered what I was thinking of the last trash or treasure that I can think of until <laughs> I think of more. Officially, <laughs> okay. This is going to be a two-hour trash or treasure episode with me. And <laughs> it's, true, it's true. It's all going to be that. <laughs> okay, a thirty-five dollar hammer strength. <laughs> oh boy! Trash or treasure? Would you pick it up, Darren? What? What is this? The hammer strength press machine. One of those things that, like, it's like a inclined bench. It's an isolateral like... inclined chest press. Yeah, hammer strength. Oh man! Yeah, uh, I feel like I feel hours. like I feel like when we at when I just like ignorantly asked Atlas about freaking supplements because I didn't know he didn't take supplements. I have no opinion because I don't even know what the hell this is. HS press. Let's limit to that. A piece of equipment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like trash. It sounds like trash to me. For $35. Oh, for $35? Whoa. Man. And what brand is it? It's Hammer Strength? Yeah, Hammer Strength. I don't know. I mean, I would buy and sell it, and that makes it treasure. Hmm. Thirty-five dollars okay, so, for anything hammer strength if it's in good condition, you should be able to turn around and sell that for 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 a decent profit. That sounds like a treasure so, to me. But I mean, but that's a, like like that's on like the, that's on flipping it. The actual piece of equipment sounds like a piece of trash. <laughs> Mark, what's your defense? <laughs> I think it's a treasure. Probably why it was thirty-five dollars. I don't know. Where are you going to store treasure. it? That's the question. Uh, I'll, I'll figure that out later. In worst case scenario, as I already mentioned, I can just clean it up and I can take a better picture and I can list it as what it actually is and not a, I think it was listed as bench chest press. And it's had a shitty picture. It made it look like it was just the bench and it was full of holes. So I think if I just do those two things, I can sell it for at least 150 bucks more than I paid for it. Probably more. But That's a good yeah, point. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get into the basement. Maybe I'll leave in the garage. And if nothing else, I can sell it. Or, you know, I'm pretty sure it's worth more in scrap value than $35. So I'm not really <laughs> seeing a downside here. 
That's true. Atlas, what's your opinion of this purchase? How much does it weigh? I don't know, but I can find out, and we can find out if you can Turkish get up it. Is it like 100 pounds, 200? What is it? Probably closer to 200. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like it's six foot by four yeah. foot, full steel, fully welded commercial, like grade. So it's, it's beefy. That'd be hard to do much with then. <laughs> I'm going to figure out what you can do with it. You should it's probably going to have to stay outside. So that's going to open up some options. Maybe <laughs> ship it over to Lucian in Romania. I don't know. What is, what is shipping to Romania on a 200 pound piece of equipment? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure the fact it's, Six by four by five. That that's gonna add to it. Can yeah. you chain it to your trap bar? Oh god. What did you ask? Can you chain it to your trap bar? Oh, and lift it. I mean, I'm I gonna mean, explore Lucian. Lucian, uh, uh, <laughs> he can't top it if he doesn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! He, he Chain it to one to side of your of your, of your trap bar. Yeah. Well, I'm saying he's not above taking the random pieces of equipment in his gym and using them. So I think if they have machines, the machine, <laughs> given the challenge, <laughs> it's shocking the things he does in that commercial gym. Like it looks like a commercial yeah. gym, and it'll just like. Like when he tried to do the traveling merchant squat or whatever it is, the one with the trap bar that did. Yeah, the one with the trap bar. Yeah. I was like, that's. I don't know how many gym owners would be a fan of you using that much. He needs spotters for this or like, or like, uh, or traffic cones of some kind. And he should have had crash pads, I think. Mark out his safety zone for us on this list. Yeah. The last one's an easy one ego lifting, Mark. Trash or treasure? Treasure. Treasure. Excellent. Treasure. Atlas. Treasure. Yeah, I'm not going to be the contrarian on this one. Treasure. Darren, ego lifting. That's the fit. <laughs> Are you going to go against our core beliefs of the system? Do it, you coward. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say trash to be the contrarian. What's your defense? Uh, my defense? I yes. What's your, what's your defense? I'm the accuser. <laughs> I don't need to defend myself. Okay. So you think it's trash? What's your okay, offense? Mark. I'm the plaintiff oh, yeah. in what's this case. <laughs> what's your offense? What's, what's my offense? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, eagle lifting's fun. I mean, you know, when I was when I was a lot younger, I mean, I used to like just do stupid shit all the time and max out like every single day. Um, you know, load doing like as high of, of uh, partial deadlifts as possible. So I could get as much weight as on the bars as I can. But I just, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, for me personally, uh, I have found that uh, training at a much more moderate weight for higher repetitions has, has led to much better carryover um in strength for me and and better longevity um you know especially training for for strongman competitions on a on a tight uh deadline and that's probably where it probably matters the most is when you've got a tight deadline to you to come up on eagle lifting is really it can be very detrimental to your to your training cycle now if you don't have a competition coming up 
eagle lifting is cool, man, because you can do it whenever you want. Cause there's nothing, nothing going to stop you. Nothing, you know, on the horizon that you, you have to perform for, but yeah, from a competition perspective, I, I think is probably where I would say it's, it's trash because it's, uh, I mean, it just can be so detrimental. I've seen so many guys over, you know, my over 14 years of competing go and just do something just crazy, stupid three weeks out from competition. And it could have been a, a comp lift even, um, just for ego and, and Instagram likes, and then, and then totally bombed at the competition. It's like, you just wasted your peak, uh, for, for, uh, you know, Zucker bucks. And so I think it, it could be really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid when times improperly, let's, let's leave it at that. Atlas, would you defend ego lifting? I mean, my, my response to that is, I mean, you just have to invest your ego in into reps. I mean, I don't max like when I'm doing a bulk, for example, I don't I don't do a whole lot of one rep maxes because it's not that I don't think you can gain anything from it, but it's it's too hit or miss. It's too easy to miss a lift, screw up your progress, and you know now you're not making this the steady incremental progress you need to actually put on muscle and be successful. But I mean, why not you know, invest your ego into a five rep max, ten rep max? I mean, I've done, pl I've had plenty of kind of like ego lift associated goals that I've pushed for and gotten, and you know they can be multiple reps. I mean, doesn't all doesn't always have to be one rep. I mean, doing you know if you have a ten rep max goal or a twenty rep max goal or something like that, that can work just as well. And if you you know I, what I found is if you Kind of, I, I call it diversifying your ego investment. If you um, diverse, if you if you kind of diversify across a number of lifts, you're not as tempted to just batter on that one lift to gratify your ego all the time. You're still like trying really hard to get the numbers that are going to make you feel good for the rest of the day. But if you do it in a big enough variety of lifts, you tend not to get beat up as much. Um, and and if you if if you can be satisfied with the variety of rep ranges. You know, you can kind of make it work for you instead of against you. Yeah, I guess maybe we should have defined what ego lifting is yeah, because actually, a, agree a couple with, different things here. <laughs> I, I agree exactly with everything Alice just said because, like, I'm a. I, I mean, the reality is, I'm kind of an ego maniac when I lift when I'm training. It doesn't matter if it's light or not. I mean, I'm kind of a nut job, but I've always look, looked at ego lifting as you know things like doing you know extreme weight at partial weight just to like pull a lot of weight or like maxing out regularly, you know, or, or loading the bar up with bumper plates. So it looks like more weights than it actually is. Right. That's ego lifting, but, but going in with intensity plates. every single day, I, I mean, I, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. True. I mean, I think anything to add. Oh, Atlas actually. You, you I, I think overall there's a, yeah, I mean, that's all I have. <laughs> um, I, I think in I think a much bigger problem with people who think who are afraid of doing anything that's not proper form or deviates from this perfectly optimal little program um, and are not getting results than are not getting results because they're trying too hard to lift too much weight. I mean, definitely they're both out there, but are, if we're looking at like what's the bigger problem overall – I think there's a lot more people overanalyzing their form on 225 pound squats than there are. Oh man, I keep maxing out my deadlift at 500 something, and 
it's not helping me anymore. Okay, well, you still, you still a little bit, you're still better off than the guy who's afraid of ego lifting. Yeah, because uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but if you posted something from like, is it Inkiri Elite Fitness or something? It's I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, Inkiri. Yeah, because his point was interesting that I think that people are always afraid of like seeming like they've exerted too much because I know there's a good portion of the internet that seems to think that like, if you do anything above an RPE, like eight, that <laughs> it's ego lifting. And it's always astounding to me. Like if anything look, yeah. looks it's, like it gets bad. Work. It yeah. gets bad in some circles. I mean, there are, there's like, there's, there's kind of a hit, a, a clique of like natural bodybuilding YouTubers that almost, they almost act like your, your arms are going to shrivel up and fall off. If you ever, bench 315 like you have to keep your like it's almost like a hipster flex in certain subcultures to bench in the 200s and not be able to bench 315 because like i mean granted their arms are bigger than mine are but hey you know still it, it's uh you know they act like aesthetics weak. not strength i'm training for aesthetics you just don't understand <laughs> There's okay, some i don't want to look like i, can lift a lot. I don't want to be able to lift a lot but but they they act like yeah they act like if you ever lift heavy your gains are just gonna shrivel up because now you're training for strength not hypertrophy and it's like come on man like I it doesn't work like my that. muscle connection with this 135 pound bar. The first thing is some of them actually are, are like surprisingly jacked for not being like some of these I mean some of it is they are like frustratingly jacked for how how little the bench is but still. But but then, but then you see so, them, but then you see them doing incline curls and they're like incline curling the sixties and it's like okay you're just you're that well that's why you're <laughs> you're just strong on different exercises but because that, that, that I've, is, oh, I've oh Mark okay <laughs> I think that that's the key thing because there are people that get very big lifting not that big of weights but they are kind of an exception because they have realized something that they still have to make that little weight hard in one way or another, like they're making a more difficult movement or by artificially adding difficulty by a tempo or specific like contraction range or whatever. They're, they're making that weight hard, but mm -hmm. people say, Oh, I can just lift light, light weights and get big, but they're missing that making it hard part. They're just lifting. They're, they're flopping around their heavy dumbbells as opposed to, you know, actually construction curling. And if you want to flop around, go for it, but you're going to have to use a really big freaking weight. So that's like the disconnect between people that are big lifting little weights and people that are little lifting little weights. And it's that the people that They're are big are actually still working hard and the people that right. are little just aren't. Well, I, I think that's a solid point because it was, it was interesting thinking about that of like that people's fear of looking like they're trying too hard with lifting oftentimes can like impact like actual training performance. Cause I think there is like, I mean, you could have like underlying health issues or whatever, but for many people, it is interesting to see like that fear of ever like going near a one rep max or anything. I think oftentimes like that fear probably is more detrimental to your progress than like maybe accidentally doing too much. But I really like mm -hmm. Darren's point of like doing it because you enjoy it, like push yourself in whatever you're doing and stuff. Cause I think there's almost this like fear of like, you don't want to feed your ego at all. And it's like, Oh, yeah. your ego in general is a good thing, as long as it's in check. Yeah, well, the reality is, is that, I mean, again, I mean, you know, I can't, I, I started this conversation with uh, a different uh, definition of ego lifting. That, that used to be like a thing. Um, but the reality is that we're all probably ego lifters, right? Because we're always pushing the weight or pushing our, 
our abilities or our limits to the max all the time in some in some regard at some point mm-hmm. um the goal is is to continually increase our capacity our absolute strength our conditioning whatever it is um and it takes tenacity to do that and it takes a lot of ego too um and whoever said that lifting over rp8 is ego is kind of kind of a weird weird way to look at it because i mean I, i'm at 800 plus pound deadlifts or two and there's been days where dude 550 has felt like RPA. Right? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really make sense that, that, you know, our, I don't really like the RP scale, but, um, yeah. Cause it, cause it doesn't really, doesn't say anything about your ability. Right. That just is today. That's what it feels like. It's just a tool a for self-regulation. It's not meant to be a hard cap. It's so you can, you can't go a hundred percent all the time. This is a way to, you know, quantify going less than 100%. Sometimes, yeah. and that works for some I people. Think, and I, it doesn't work for me. I don't like RPE or RAR. I'll never use them, but I understand what their purpose is. I just kind of, you know, do it more subjectively than trying to add the number to it. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it's become a, a lazy device for online coaching, right? Here's the here's, here's the here's the the move I'm going to do and do an RP something today. Like, wow, that was thank that was that was worth two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah so the rpe we can all agree that that's generally trash because yeah. it's like because i think the main thing is for one while some of us may be deep in the pocket of the strongman industrial complex or the gym <laughs> equipment industrial complex i think there is an issue with like what could be considered the coaching industrial complex is this <laughs> idea i think that you'll see so many coaches and online influencers overcomplicating basic fitness comp like components and everything like this idea that like oh to be fit you actually need to use my app that's $30 a month that you track your calories in then you pay an additional $150 a month so I can sell you the same program everyone else does but call it an RPE and occasionally throw in actual numbers that are based on what you do and you're like that's nothing functional so I think overall I should have defined it more but I think it was interesting watching the video of this idea that like people's fear of ego lifting, typically it's like a thing that you actually rarely see in the gym and stuff. The true actual like terrible, like take all the plates in the gym, do something on the leg press. And a part of me wants to have enough. Yeah. (laughs) I want to have enough. Ego lifting. Yeah. To me. Like, (laughs) yeah. Like that kind of ego lifting is like, terrible but i think there is like a large portion of the internet especially like you'll see it in comments all the time if something's like even slightly hard or a bit of a grind there's a good portion of the internet that's like oh my god like you just overdid it completely and it's like no you should be working out pretty hard and everything like there's just this concept that like oh if you look like you strained at all that's like your ego and stuff or you could get hurt so Mm -hmm. i think there's like that fear in general is too strong with most people. So that's why I was like, I we had to put in a solid defensive ego lifting at the end. I mean, the like, truth is, is that the four of us and people like us are a minority um, of gym goers, right? You go to a global gym and the vast majority of people aren't working hard at all. Um, nobody's sweating. Most people are on their phones, right? People that are on their bikes and every on the bikes and the, the treadmills are just going at a very slow pace. No, not many people work very hard. Um, 
So I can see where we all probably look like an egomaniac to the to the <laughs> average person. <laughs> and I think I think that's the main thing. It's like the whole thrust of the thing is really that like people's weird dogmatic fears about things typically limit them more than the actual like if they try to do those things and stuff like that fear of like counting your calories religiously like you're probably not going to make really great healthy decisions if you're only eating salads and like just doing this bizarre like religiously counting and like mm-hmm. doing cardio but also like you said of like i think most people when they're exercising don't actually understand the amount of intensity that needs to go into it because it is easy to be like i showed up i did the job and you're like, yeah. is walking on the treadmill at two miles per hour, like, is that really doing anything for you? You'd Possibly. be surprised even, even like, um, you know, where I train now, I, w- I would say that the crew at, at the gym that I go to, which is, you know, kind of a sports performance gym, so you've got all, all kinds of flavors in there. I mean, you've got um, CrossFitters, you've got weightlifters, you've got powerlifters, strongmen, you know, everybody is a way above average gym goer. And I still like, I'm still like the most intense person in there. (laughs) And I have people ask me all the time, like, you know, uh, I I mean, I don't know what the questions are, but I'm always like telling them like, you know, you've got, I mean, there's, there's, there's a mental quality to lifting heavy weight and it, and it's, uh, you know, for me, it's always when you, when your, your body is always going to hit like a point where it wants to quit and you have to like mentally overcome that and dig really deep and just keep pushing. Right. And, and it's like, it's like it's always times times 10 or times 100 in order to, to lift that stuff. And a lot of people, just even really great athletes, don't understand that all the time. Um, I think it's a very unique quality that uh, powerlifters, strongmen specifically, really possess. Yeah, because I think um, – yeah, Mark, you go. I was going to say, I think those other athletes probably are better at taking that effort and spraying it out over a longer time. Whereas strength well, athletes are better at packing that into like one set. Like I, I can't do like any kind of cardio challenge for shit because I don't have the willpower yeah. to sit there and like bang out on the erg for like 10 minutes straight. No, I'm not going to do that. I'll put all my heart into a 10 second deadlift pull. Sure. But you tell me to like spread that same effort out over 10 minutes. That's absolutely no go. So I think it's a, mm-hmm. it's a different kinds of uh, willingness to exert effort between like what time absolutely. span and what kind of activities you're going to put into. So you probably right. definitely gravitate towards your preferred, mm-hmm. uh, duration of effort <laughs> i mean those guys are still yeah. i mean they have strength components that are pretty impressive too but you're right uh i think the crossfit tendency well, i mean they have to they have to pace they have to pace more so mm-hmm. you're absolutely spot on on that i, I think yeah. with the uh like the top level power lifters obviously have that but the problem is i think i think they're the ones that that actually can use rpe effectively i think that i mean that's where it comes from right powerlifting yeah. it's yeah it, mike mike tashir actually is the one that developed that I, I think that's something that that's one of the many examples of of um just cargo culting almost you know just kind of appropriating things from powerlifting or things drifting out of powerlifting into like mainstream gin pop lifting that people are not realizing the actual purpose of and are i think misusing i mean yeah mm-hmm. so some some power lifter that has that that willingness to just go there they can accurately judge how much intensity they put into a set and use it appropriately and they have to because they have to they have to do sets that are not all out because they have to practice their skills and do a lot of volume on those lifts to practice but i mean does that even need to 
be a factor for the for the general lifter who isn't necessarily no. <laughs> competing or trying to practice those skills like for me i'm generally not trying to you know practice anything for any competition so i'm trying to go i'm trying to go all out go to failure on everything not everything but most in most cases you know every top set that i'm doing or every uh, main lift i'm doing i want to go to failure because i'm trying to do bodybuilding you know and if you're trying to if you're trying to be a bodybuilder you probably ought to or if that's your goal you're trying to build muscle you probably want to go to or pretty close to failure most every work set you know and if you so i mean why why are we thinking that we have to do like rp8 every time we do squats well if you're, if you're trying to build leg muscle maybe you ought to just try to get every rep out of it that you can but i, I think that's 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 one of my big gripes with powerlifting it's just that so much is not it's not powerlifting's fault it's just so much has come out of powerlifting and people don't really realize why it's in powerlifting and whether that is actually applicable to them or not so that's kind of why i hate rpe because i think it's it's a it's something for competitive athletes in a certain context that just doesn't need to be applied to people that don't have the same goals you know I think yeah, and, and, I mean, and, and these are people that are proven they can actually they actually know what an art you know they can go up to RP eleven you know the guy who's never gone there doesn't need to be you know saying he's at an RP eight when really like the hardest he's ever worked is an RP eight you know yeah I think that not just the RP there's a lot of things where techniques and different uh, programming components that make sense for high level lifting athletes regardless of their discipline bodybuilding strongman powerlifting etc are being taken by non high level lifters and then misapplied like RPE in order to use it properly. You need to a understand what max or any kind of perception based, uh, auto regulation. You need to a understand what maximum effort actually feels like, which most newer lifters don't. Cause they just, they honestly don't have the capability to try that hard. Cause they haven't built the skill of physical exertion. That's something you have to learn. You can't just, you can exert yourself all you want, but if you haven't practiced that, you're not actually pushing yourself to physical exertion. You push yourself to your, weak mental exertion so you need to actually understand what full physical exertion is to get a percentage of that two you're probably not lifting enough weight to justify significant decrease from max like if you're deadlifting 800 pounds you can't do that every session or you're going to burn out a lot quicker than someone whose max is only 400 so you need to be using a sub max a lot more often than someone who's got a weaker lift and three they just they don't need this kind of complexity they just need to go and learn to try hard and lift a lot of weights and do it hard they don't need to like add all this complexity that's just going to get them kind of off track from the main goal of, you know, go to the gym and cultivate this discipline and this work ethic and this ability to exert yourself. And it's true for everything. Like even bodybuilding, like there's a lot of people say you can't go to absolute failure in every set. And that's true. But if a beginner doesn't go to absolute failure, they're going to end up like halfway to failure because their failure point is at about 70% because they just don't have the mental willpower to go to actual physical failure. So like a lot of newer lifters and even intermediate lifters need to stop looking to advanced lifters and copying what they're doing. And their advanced lifters are saying, oh yeah, totally do this. It works so well for me, but they've, they're trying to sell you somewhere. They've kind of lost track of, there are different needs for different skill levels and lower skilled individuals should not be imitating higher skilled individuals because the techniques won't work for them and they can't apply them properly. And it's just mm -hmm. a super common thing these days, especially with social media, yeah. allowing you to see yeah. how these high level lifters train. I, I think, think that's very true. Yeah. What yeah, I was going to say, I, think it, I mean, it, I mean it, the thought process, like pretty much the same along the lines of, of counting calories, right? It's a mechanism in, in the big scheme of things, but there's always a, a starting process to get to that point. You look at it, right? And and yeah. you're right, big, beginning beginning uh, uh, weightlifters, 
you know, as the analogy to this, don't need to count calories. They don't need to be going and maxing out. They don't need to have the same program as an elite lifter is. It has. I mean, there's always a starting point in building, like you said, building that uh, discipline, building under, you know, uh, uh, finding their uh, physical limits, um, learning proper form is huge as a new lifter, but building a foundation, right? Um, I've always been a, a huge fan of like, you get a new lifter, like brain fresh, never really been in the gym. I mean, there's a lot to learn, but their, their, their training program should be extraordinarily basic, right? <laughs> three, three big lifts if you're a power lifter. That's all you need to do. You don't need to do accessories. You don't need to do anything. Squat, bench, deadlift. And you'll make amazing yeah. gains and learn a lot uh, about form, you know, that tenacity, how to push yourself, reaching your limits, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people kind of mistaken that. And it's kind of getting back to like coaching. What drives me nuts a lot of times is to see all these <laughs> coaches that are like, they're like, you're new. You've got to, you've got to have me as your coach. You've got to have a coach and stuff like that. And, and um, you know, they sell them all these just crazy program ideas. And it's like, dude, you could have just went online and found like the, what is it? The Kelly star three by three program and just follow that for free. Cause that's, that's what I would give you anyway. <laughs> I, I hate starting strength and Ripitol, but I, this hurts me to say it, but starting strength is not the worst thing a beginner can run. If it's making them do heavy compound lifts to near failure and then increase the weight every session. That's a good plan. I object with people that keep doing that past the point where it makes sense. And then you'll follow like a cult, but for an absolute beginner, they could do a lot worse than starting strength. <laughs> this yeah. is the moment I was waiting for this whole time was like, I was just waiting for someone to admit that maybe one of those basic programs might not be the worst thing in the world. Because the main thing that was it's like not. a personal anecdote was like, one time I went to a deadlift competition in December and one guy, he asked me how much I was going for. I was like, I'd like to pass 500 ideally. He was like, well, man, like I've been working towards like four plates and he had some like shady program or something. And through the course of the competition, he worked his way up to 505, the same as I did. And I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, wait, the four, 405 has been your goal this whole time and you hit 505? And like confidently, but it was that fear of like, oh, if I go anywhere near failure on a deadlift, you're going to break your back. And I was like, trust me, if you can do sets of like 10 or 20 with 315, like you shouldn't be afraid of 405 and stuff. But Atlas, you were going to say something or Darren? I know I interrupted one of you two. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Wasn't you? Okay. But yeah, I was like, that's one of my main thoughts. But I'm glad we finally got that. That might be it's another controversial moment <laughs> to add after <laughs> after this week's earlier monster truck thing, which is like <laughs> been our main thing to work through is we wanted on the record that Mark recommended his other friend, Mark Ripto's programming of starting strength, <laughs> the Mark Industrial Complex. Oh, boy. <laughs> we finally found out who's behind all this equipment and the nice lighting in that basement. Yeah, this it's is actually a, a mask and a, a not fat suit. I've actually been Mark Ripito this entire time. This is my attempt to preach the new crowd of uh, kids because I felt like uh, my, old, my old material has only been reaching a strange subset of middle-aged uh, men that don't live very much. <laughs> so I want to reach the kids and peel them about fives. 
five by five. Get rid of your 35s. You got five fingers to go on this side of the plate, not the other side of the plate. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm actually Mark Ripto. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for, the good time Mark Ripto. That's an exclusive Thank scoop for <laughs> world's strongest opinions. It's true, and Mark Ripto hates the trap bar the same as Atlas, so Atlas <laughs> agrees with Mark Ripto on another issue. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, think he's, I think he gets a bad rap. I mean, he, he could be worse one thing I really like about him is he advocates power cleans for beginners, and everybody these days is terrified of Olympic lifts. Oh, my God, it's skill-based. You can't do anything skill-based. You're going to die. You need to obsessively focus on your power clean form for five years with a PVC pipe before you can ever do Olympic lifts. You know, meanwhile, these people, these you know, football players that have no idea what they're doing just get out there and just neck up, you know, hang cleans, you know, 315 for reps and their form probably would make an Olympic lifter, you know, go into a fit, but guess what? They have big traps, you know? And so I, I, my, my power clean form is just God awful. It's, um, and, but Hey, it helped me. I, I did those before I did deadlifts and I built most of my deadlift with power cleans, very horrible power cleans, but it worked, you know? So I do like, I do like crypto for that. He, he's not afraid to tell people to actually just do power cleans. He also said strong people are hard to kill, which is the most sane thing he's ever said. <laughs> That's true. It turns out that this episode was just oh, a large show appreciation episode. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the only thing that everyone agrees on. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, the first nice. thing that everyone agreed on was that <laughs> starting strength isn't that bad. This is not a market. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that, that, that's the best way to end trash or treasure is saying that Mark yeah. Mark Ripto he's a pocket treasure. Pocket treasure. Oh, starting treasure. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing we can all agree on. The, the, the only the yeah. only uh, unanimous treasure of the entire episode. <laughs> wow. <Mark> <laughs> I mean, it is, it is St. Patty's Day soon, so he could just be a leprechaun. That's true. <laughs> that'll be good but yeah do you guys um i feel like we have passed the hour mark i don't know how much longer you all have time i was told this was going to be a seven hour episode with me and atlas arguing the whole time even that's true what's okay yeah what's the last thing though what's what's one thing that you you think that atlas believes that is patently wrong and then he'll have a chance to say why it's objectively correct and why you're patently wrong about something else you get to start I think that his hate for basically any kind of specialty bar or piece of gym equipment that isn't a barbell and plates is uh, basically just him being kind of, you know, angry man shaking fist at clouds because, <laughs> well, I can make this stuff work and this stuff is all unnecessary. But no, I mean, these tools exist for a reason. The specialty bars address things that the barbell can do, but can't do quite as well. For instance, I think squatting a barbell is pretty inferior to a lot of the specialty squat bars uh, specifically. Bench and deadlift are fine, but um, and plus they're fun. They allow you to do other things, and then other equipment in general. Yes, yes, you can train almost anything with a barbell, but you could also do just so anything with like a Swiss Army knife. But do you really want to be using your Swiss Army knife to chop up chicken or try to you know assemble something with a little screwdriver or cut a coupon with that tiny little scissors that's about half inch long? Yeah, it can do everything, but there are some things that it just doesn't quite do that well, and you're better off using a specialized piece of equipment. So that's something I think Atlas is wrong about. <laughs> 
I would pay to watch a cooking show where Atlas just does everything with a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> just the whole thing. Just every opening of the packages, like all of that. Dude, I'm pretty sure there's an Anthony Bourdain episode where he does that. Like he gets conned into cooking on like this riverboat in like in the jungle somewhere, and the only knife they had was a Swiss Army knife. And it took him like seven hours to make a simple meal. <laughs> so Atlas, your rebuttal to specialty bars and why they're completely unneeded. I mean, really, no, um, no rebuttal I could do would be as as good as um, just showing a clip of uh, of Mark just <laughs> blasting himself in the um, whatever organ he has in his crotch. Apparently, it's not the penis. With <laughs> specialty bar, so I'm just going to leave it there. No, I don't. I don't hate every specialty bar. I mean, back when I went to Gold's, I liked to use the um, the. Uh, Safety squat bar. I like safety squat bar squats. I'm not opposed to all of them. Um, I, I hate trap bars for a particular reason because they, I see them misused very often and they, in my opinion, contribute to a big problem. Um, but again, safety squat bar, that's fine. I don't know what half the stuff you use is, but apparently <laughs> there, there's, prob- there's probably some actual utility other than um, making sure that you only. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's probably some utility that doesn't involve striking random body parts, so I'm I'm prepared to give those the benefit of the doubt. Um, easy curl bars. There's definitely some value in those. Um, I'm I'm pretty anti machine because I mean it's just it's just a, a single purpose implement that you know doesn't really do nearly as much for you know I, I think it's really mainly just something to make the fitness industry profitable. I mean. Like, you know, because fitness has a huge problem. It's it's hard to monetize because the basic stuff you need, you buy some bars, even if they are specialty, and they'll probably last for a lifetime if you don't bang yourself in the shins with them too much. Uh, it's a big if, apparently. Um, but, you know, basically, there's not a lot of consumables. So that's why we have supplements. Some of them work a little bit. Some of them are pocket treasures, but most of them do very little compared to what they're advertised as. So, I mean, the whole, the whole fitness industry is just like trying to find a way to make something which is in fact very inexpensive fitness it's exercise you do it yourself you don't pay anybody um uh more expensive because you know once once that one time purchase of dumbbells barbells kettlebells is over how do you monetize and you know there's co- there's coaching you know in, in some cases you know coaching is incredibly valuable in a lot of cases as we talked about earlier it's excessive but anyway like a lot of a lot of these machines are just kind of, in my opinion, just ways to make fitness more expensive. Maybe they do one thing slightly better than a barbell. In most cases, slightly worse. But either way, it's just kind of unnecessarily expensive. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the specialty bars, you know, they're they have an actual purpose, so I don't have a problem with them. I think equipment is a, is a marketing tool to get people in that because because you always see like global gyms that are full of equipment. Have way more members than than the the little warehouse with a couple of platforms and a squat rack, right? Because people people yeah. are not uh, again. It kind of goes back to what I said earlier about you know uh, taking the easy way out. People know that they want to do they should do they should be involved in uh, some kind of physical activity, but they're going to go do it as easy as possible, and that's what machines are. You know, I think uh, marketeers realize that. There's a there's a, a a market to capitalize on lazy people. 
by creating machines that that mm-hmm. like give you the impression that you're doing something without really doing anything. Exactly. Because yeah. uh, especially because almost all of them are lever based, so like you're gonna think yep. doing a hammer strength two play lever press, fully trans, not yep. the same thing. Like it's it's all like variations and stuff. So I think there's definitely something to be said. I will say though, specialty bars for the bazooka lift challenge were pretty amazing. Mark, thank you for your participation. And then Atlas just waits three weeks and then blows everyone out of the park with a hundred percent of one just by pure aesthetics. Well, I mean, that, I, I had to, I have to acknowledge the value of a loadable metal log because it took a, it took a lot of tries to actually find a log that was the right weight. That wasn't too heavy. Wasn't too light. And, you know, you, you come to see the advantage of having something you can just stick some plates on. <laughs> That's true. I, I get it. It's a unifier. <laughs> you need yeah. a loadable log to make it easy and accessible. And that's a, something the general population can do. That's one thing we can have them all do. But I realize it is getting late. Darren has been very patient and is tired <laughs> and everything. So unless Darren wants to go I, on I for another for hour. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have any closing <laughs> thoughts or anything? Any last snipes or jabs you want to get <laughs> under the wire? Alice needs to take his shot. He needs to take his final shot real quick. I oh, got true. His one. final shot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I don't really. Um, That's true. He's, no, he's, yeah. He's I, I actually up. hadn't prepared for this. I. I I was prepared for the peanut butter and for the um, <laughs> the, the silliness. Um, uh, I'll just have to write a post uh, now entitled um, <laughs> I, "Things that I don't I, wrong." <laughs> I, I don't. I don't hate. I don't hate odd lifts, but should I? I don't uh, hate yeah, odd lifts, yeah. but should I? <laughs> <laughs> no, every, People. We're, we're, yeah. No, when I saw some of those, some of those, uh, some of those shenanigans, I was like. Okay, I, I, I get I get the grumpy I get the grumpy contrarian take. <laughs> so which is harder? What, what's the frustrating is when? The oh God! That's, I mean, that's the, that's the thing you need to know which one was harder of those two bizarre benches. Um, I think that the higher ceiling ultimately would be on probably. I feel like maybe the camber, if I, because what I discovered kind of halfway between the two is that you can't take it slowly. You have to do it fast and aggressively. Because it's kind of like being on a bike. It's easier to balance a bike when it's moving forward. And it's easier to balance mm. the bar when you're going fast versus, you know, trying to really slowly ease it down, ease it back up. So I kind of discovered that halfway through the trap bar. And I think that if I applied that uh, philosophy to the camber bar, I can get that one up to two plates, which, you know, it's always been my dream to bench two plates. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you just got to go fast otherwise you'll blast yourself so yeah i need to i need to do that again and see if we can uh encourage more angry old men and people afraid of hitting themselves in the legs and uh really any other body part that i think i can manage to maim with a two hundred pound bar just gently tapping it <laughs> I, oh what? one last thing i I forgot. There's something new I learned in the Flexicon recently. Your guys' language <laughs> of the bicep lift. Atlas, what? Who's who or what is a bicep lift or bicep lift? When I saw you comment on it. I was uh, like, that's someone. Cool. Someone who has small biceps. 
small I biceps. may or may be one of these. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you're you're what, like two sixty or something? I like two sixty five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's hefty. Right? You're the happiest. Well, it's not in the bicep, though. It's not in the bicep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got I got to ego lift some curls, I guess. That's true. That's what all my cleans are. All my cleans are ego lift curls. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is true. That is definitely true. <laughs> and yeah, any part of any final thoughts for you all? Where can people find you? All that stuff, or actually, everyone knows at this point. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We're getting there. Darren, any final thoughts? No, man, it's been fun, dude. This is a good episode. Yeah. Well, I have, I have a final thought. I want to have a birthday shout out to my dog. This is his fifth birthday. <laughs> Ooh, and he's been waiting birthday. for his ground beef I'm going to make him. So <laughs> I just thought. Ground beef? Yeah. That's, that's I nice. got him a whole, a whole pound of the organic good ground beef. He eats better meat than wow. I do on his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you eat trans fats, he eats organic ground beef. That's awesome. Well, I want him to live longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our final thoughts just support us on patreon or anchor and find us on instagram or facebook